She's just getting it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> if you're ready to hear the word of the Lord for today, let me hear you say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm ready. I'm ready. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, I want you, everyone just open up your Bibles to Psalm 84, the book of Psalms. It's like everyone, should, everyone knows where the book of Psalms is. It's like the Zephaniah and all of those that we don't know where it's at. But everyone probably knows where the Psalms are. Psalm 84, verse 10. I'm going to read it one more time for us. If you're wondering why I'm up here, uh, Pastor Christian is actually, he's at Hillside right now. And he's preaching at the, the KM service, the Korean ministry service. Uh, New Philadelphia is actually uh, EM, which is a part of a larger Korean ministry called Jail Songdo English Ministry. And so he's there right now presenting the the rest of the missions. People who are going on missions are doing that same body worship. And then he's got to preach to them in like half Korean and half English. So, uh, yeah, got to lift up a prayer for him and everything. But I'm sure he did an amazing job. All right. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Then dwell in the tents of wickedness. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to pray for the word. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that, that today, Lord, is going to be is a day of, of restoration for many. That today will be a day of realignment for many. I thank you, God, that today, Father, is a day in which we will see more of your heart than maybe what we've seen before. That you will open up our eyes more and more to what you're doing and how you're using your church, Father, to just expand your kingdom. Father, I pray just all across this room right now that your Holy Spirit will begin to move. It will move upon each and every person, whether it's their uh, their 10th time being here or their first time. Lord, that you would just move upon their hearts right now. Father, I come against every work of distraction. I come against every work of judgment, fear, anxiety in the name of Jesus. And I just break it off of each and every person in this room. And Father, I just speak out right now that freedom will reign in this place. Freedom will reign for where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we welcome you in this place, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would be upon my mouth, Lord. Anoint my lips with your coal that I speak your words. And God, your words would bear a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So today I want to talk to you about being established in the house. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say established. Tell them, I want to be established in the house. Some of you didn't say it. You didn't want to lie. All right. It's all good. <laughs> no, but today I want to talk to you about what it means to be established in the house. The word established is found in the Bible 132 times in the English Standard Version. It's found, it's found numerous times throughout the Bible, and it's always found in three different ways. The word established is found in reference to God's covenant. It's found in reference to God's kingdom. And it's found in reference to God's house. And so God wants to bring a different understanding to you and I today. That we need to be established in his house. You know, we, this is a year of intimacy that we've been talking a lot about here at New Philly. You know, ever since... I think it was October, Pastor Christian spoke out that he felt the, the spirit of the Lord was speaking to him that this was going to be a year of intimacy, that we were going to grow in intimacy with one another. We were going to grow in intimacy with God. But you cannot grow in intimacy with God without first 
being established in his house. You know, like I said, the word established is used in three different ways, right? It's used in reference to a covenant. And another word for saying covenant is a relationship. And it's also used in reference to his kingdom. In other words, to say kingdom is what? A, a nation. And, you know, you cannot have a relationship with the king of a nation until you get inside his palace. And for many of us, we've been outside of the palace and we're still trying to have a relationship with the king. You know, it's like in the book of Esther. Esther had to be before the king. She had to be inside his palace, inside of his house to get before them and to have that relationship with him. And so what I want to what I'm speaking out today is that you need to be established in the house of God. If you want to see growth and fruit come into your life. And what I want you to understand is that the church and the local church specifically is a house. If you believe that the church is a house, say amen. amen. You know, God wants you to be established, not just in the, the big C, the general university, universal body of believers, but he wants you to be established in the local church. He wants you to be established in the place of worship. He wants you to be established here in New Philly. He wants you to be established in his local church. And, see, and I'm here to declare to you today that the day of roaming, wandering about, and being an orphan is over. And now is the time for you to come into his house and experience more intimacy, fruitfulness, order, and life. The times of disorder have come to an end. You know, there's many people in the body who walk around and they're Christians, but their lives are filled with so much disorder, right? You know, they come to church every Sunday. They're, they're here. They're, they may be even be in a Bible study, but their lives are so out of order. And why is that? It's because they're not established in the house. Everyone say the word establish again. Establish. The word establish, it, in, in Webster, it says to make firm or stable. To cause to grow or multiply, to put on a firm basis, or to put in favorable position, to gain full recognition and acceptance of. I'll read that again. Establish means to make firm or stable, to cause to grow or multiply, to put on a firm basis, to put in favorable position, or to gain full recognition and acceptance of. When you walk into the house of God, is that what you feel? Do you feel firm and stable? When you walk in here, do you feel that you are growing and multiplying? How many of you feel that way? How many of you feel that when you walk into the house of God, that you feel fully accepted? That you can be fully yourself during worship? That you can be fully yourself during praise? You can give yourself fully in the house of the Lord because you feel established here. See, specifically, I felt the spirit of the Lord putting this on me for this particular house. And that's why I'm not preaching at Hillside. We have another campus in Shelem, but I'm not preaching there because I feel that the Lord has a specific word for here. Because there's been many of you who've come into this place. You've been in the house, but you have not been established here. And you haven't felt the full acceptance. You haven't felt growth and multiplication into your life. But now's the time for you to be established here. If you believe that for yourself, say amen. amen. You know, David in the book of Psalms, especially in chapter 84, he had a heart to be established in the house of the Lord. He had a heart to come before God and to dwell in his house. 
It wasn't that he would just come every once in a while. It wasn't that he would be there every now and then. He had a heart that every single moment he dwelled. He wanted to be before the Lord. And he wanted to be in his house. If you look in your Bible to Psalm 84, verse 1, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. He says, he goes on, he says, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. A person who is established, a better word for dwell is to be established in a place. It means a prolonged dwelling. And he says that a person who stays in that place is blessed. He is blessed. He talks about the sparrow. He talks about the swallow looking for a nest, looking for a home, looking for a place to put their young. He's talking about a house. And I believe the Lord wants to bring you into his house. But there's a, I believe there's a couple issues that we find with believers in the church today. The first one is that you may be a believer, but you're not even in the house. And the second one is that you're in the house, but you're not established here. So let's look at the first one. The first one, you're not in the house. The first kind of believer is someone who's not even in the house altogether. They're backslidden in the world and outside of the house. He said in verse 10, he said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. But how many of us are dwelling in tents of wickedness? With secret sin. With habitual sins. When, when we leave this place, we are not dwelling in the house of God. We're not established in the house of God. But instead, we are in the tents of wickedness. You know the difference between a tent and a house? Is that a house is stable. A tent can be moved. A tent can be broken down. But so many believers today are dwelling in tents of wickedness and not in the house of God. They're not even in the house. They're roaming. They're roaming about. You know, I went to China on missions in the summer. And I went to China and we went to China and we were there on a vision trip. And so we were going about throughout China. And when I went to China, I brought, I don't even think I have it with me. I have my cell phone. My cell phone is a HTC Desire. It's an Android phone. It's not an iPhone 4 like Pastor Christian's always talking about. But I had my smartphone with me and I went over and I went into China. And as I was in China, I was, I was on my phone. They were sending text messages, updating everyone else in the church about what was happening. And, you know, as soon as I got over into China, I was like amazed because I had service. And I, I wasn't even expecting it. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, I got service. Like, I was on the internet. Like, I was on Google. Like, I, I was sending, I even sent emails from my phone, like, letting everyone know, hey, we're, we're safe. We're seeing all these great things happen. And then I got home, and I got my cell phone bill. And my cell phone bill was like $700. And I was like, how did this happen? And it was because I was roaming the whole time. And like, I thought that when I'm not using my phone, it's like not charging me. Like, you know, I, I just got to be using it for it to charge, for it to be charging me. But the, the whole thing was, as soon as I stepped out of, out of South Korea, my phone immediately cut on roaming. And I couldn't cut it off. I, couldn't, I didn't know how to do it. I was immediately roaming. 
And that roaming was mad expensive. And you know, there's so many believers in the body today who are roaming. And what they don't realize is that roaming is really expensive. It costs you a lot to roam. When you're outside of the body and you're just going from one tent to another tent, maybe you come to church one Sunday, but it's another three Sundays before you go again. You're just always hopping around and you're roaming about. It is really expensive. It costs you a lot more than you think it does. You're looking for service someplace else. You're roaming about looking for service someplace else and not in the house of God. But it is too expensive. It will break down your life. You wonder why your your life has no order in it. It's because you're roaming. The minute I stepped away from SK Telecom, I got charges out the yin yang. You know what I'm saying? Like they just hit me up with charges. And that's what happens for for the body. As soon as we step out of the house and we're roaming, it gets real expensive. You know, the church is a house. But more than that, it's it's a greenhouse. I'm gonna help you out a bit. Don't just think of that. Don't just think of oh, it's a greenhouse. Wow. I didn't even expect that. That's prophetic, y'all. Good job. <laughs> y'all had no idea that I was going to talk about the church being a greenhouse. A monopoly greenhouse wasn't really what I was going for. But the church is like a greenhouse, like, you know, where you put vegetation plants, not where you're like charging people when they get on Park Place. But I want you to think of the house of the Lord like a greenhouse. And you know, like a a greenhouse, you walk into a greenhouse and you notice that a greenhouse has its own sustainable atmosphere. It's moist. It's warm. You can put something in the greenhouse and it will grow rapidly. And, And you can control that environment. It's controlled. And I want you to know the church is like that. The church is like a greenhouse. It's got the covering. It's got the moisture of the Holy Spirit. It's got the warmth of the Father's love. And it's a controlled environment. You walk into this place. You walk into a place like New Philly where the spirit is moving. And you know that you're always going to have this thing. It's always going to be here. If it's not here, something is wrong. But when you step out. And you're planted somewhere else. You're planted outside of the house. The atmosphere isn't as predictable, is it? Rain, sleet, snow. So many different things can come At a seed that is planted outside of the greenhouse, right? It is so easy for a drought to come and just kill a seed that is planted outside of the house. But for a seed that's inside of the house, you'll find that it grows rapidly. And I believe that now is the time for some of you to stop being outside of the house. Stop living in the secret sin. Stop living in the roaming lifestyle and begin to come back into the house. Begin to come back into an atmosphere where you can grow. Come back into a place where you will be sustained, where you will be built up. You know, David said, I would rather be a simple doorkeeper. He would rather just stand at the door than to be in the tents of wickedness. Because he realized that the atmosphere inside the house of the Lord was ten times better than the atmosphere someplace else. And now is the time for you to come on in. You know, 
It's like the prodigal son. The prodigal son may have been birthed in the house, but he wanted to get out of the house. And he got out of the house, but immediately when he got out of the house, he wasted everything. He found that the conditions outside of the house were not how he thought they would be. He thought that as soon as he got out, he got his inheritance, he got his money, you know, he's going to have some fun. And then he wasted it all and ended up eating pig slop. He realized that it was better for him to be a simple doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So that's the first. Not in the house. But the second one is that you're in the house, but you're not established in it. For some of you, the environment isn't the problem. For some of us in the body of Christ, the environment isn't the problem. We go to spirit, we go to spirit filled churches. We're in the church. We're there every Sunday. We're there all the time. We know what it means to step into a place that contains his covering, contains his presence. We've experienced the warmth of his love. We're in the house. But you're not established in it. You're not planted in his house. You know, you can be at the local church. You can be even serving in a church and not be established in the place. Let's go back to the definition of establish. It means to make firm or stable, to cause to grow or to multiply, to put on a firm basis, to put in favorable position, to gain full recognition and acceptance. How many of you does that describe your experience in this house? See, without getting established you know, you can be just like someone who's outside of the house. You know, a person who's outside of the house can grow sometimes. When, it's, when the sun's shining, when the rain is falling, they'll grow. But when, but when the drought comes, they'll wither away. But a person who's in the greenhouse, but they're not planted, they'll grow too. But it doesn't take much to knock them over. You, you know, you can take a seed and you can, you can put it in a glass of water and it'll grow. But it doesn't take much to kill that seed. You just throw the glass of water over, right? And it's easy. And, and even that growth, when you're not planted in a place, isn't as fast as someone who is established. You know, you, I know so many people who have amazing testimonies of God's favor, God's blessing, supernatural signs and wonders, miracles breaking in and out of their lives. There's one brother, he went from being in prison to becoming a leader of leaders in this house. But it was because it wasn't just he stepped into New Philly. It wasn't just he stepped into the church and then all of a sudden, boom, it happened. He had to get established. He had to get planted. He had to become a son of the house. You know, in the word, it talks about even Jesus. Jesus had to be established in the house of the Lord. Did you know that? If you look in the book of Luke, chapter 2, it talks about when Luke, when, uh, not when Luke, but when Jesus, Jesus was a young boy. And all of a sudden, Mary and Joseph lost, they lost Jesus. And, and they're looking around for Jesus everywhere. And they're like, where did Jesus go? Like, they lost their child. And they're, they're looking around everywhere for Jesus. Like, I mean, I, I think that's like, that's kind of jacked up. Like, how do you just like lose your boy? Like, how does he go? 
But they're looking around for Jesus everywhere. And then where do they find Jesus? They find him in the house of the Lord. They find him in the house. And, and Mary walks up to him. Jesus, we're looking all over for you. He's like, woman, don't you know I'm in my father's house? Hey, don't, don't, don't give me like that look because I said it like that. It's in the Bible. It's not, it's not me. It's like, woman, who are you saying? No, but. And you know, and it said that when Jesus was in that place, they said that the people in the place were astounded because Jesus taught with great wisdom and he had such great understanding. You know, Jesus had a teaching ministry pretty much. Jesus was in the house and he was serving. But you didn't see the supernatural power. You didn't see the, the miracles breaking out. You did not see the fruitfulness and prosperity come upon Jesus's life until when? Until he went out and John the Baptist baptized him and the spirit of the sovereign Lord came upon him. And he said, you are my beloved son on whom my favor rests. That's what that in whom I'm well pleased means. And you may be in the house and you may be serving in the house. You may have been here for a year. You may have been here for two months. You may have been here for nine months. And you may even be serving. But that doesn't mean that you're established. Because what means when you're established, it means that the spiritual fathers and the people who are set over the house are really are speaking life and releasing you into your life and calling. It's the father's blessing. Pastor Christian talked, he preached on that sermon. He, what was it? Do not go out naked, right? And he said that covering is established through relationship. That you don't just step into a place and immediately get covering. But that it's established through relationship with the leaders. And there's so many people that come in and they don't experience the Father's blessing and establishment on their lives. They're just in the house. There are many of you who have been in the house for such a long time, but you're not, a you're not a son of the house. You're a servant. And the difference between a servant and a son is that a son has ownership. The son is not a hired hand. The son knows everything that the father is doing and that he doesn't have to ask to go into the fridge. He doesn't have to ask to, to make himself at home in a place. Because the place is his. He has ownership through inheritance. But a servant. A servant is walking around. Making sure that they do everything right. Because if they don't. What will happen? A servant is just a hired hand. And you've been giving yourself. You've been giving yourself. You've been, you've been giving yourself to this house. But you haven't felt fed. You don't feel fully accepted and loved. And you feel like you're only valued for what people, what, what you do for people and not for who you are. That's the servant mentality. That's the slave mentality. People only value me for what I can do for them. If I stop doing what I'm doing, then they'll no longer value me. There's so many people that come into the house and they're just servants and not sons. And then there's some people that aren't even servants, but they're just guests. And if it's your first time, I'm not trying to like call you out or anything. <laughs> but maybe you haven't even been giving yourself at all to the house, but instead you're not a servant, you're not a son, but you've been just a guest. You know, you invite somebody over to your house, they'll come in and they'll sit on your couch, they'll eat your food, 
they'll have a good time and they'll be blessed, but eventually they'll leave and go home. And there's many people in the body of Christ today that their experience, they're not a son, they're not a servant, they're just a guest. And they just come in and they just sit on, they, they sit on the couch and they eat the food. But their lives are still filled with disorder. They get a blessing. You know, a blessing only lasts for a moment. You know, a blessing can grow old. But if that blessing is not converted into something that builds you up and brings order and establishment in your life, then that blessing is only for a moment and it's worthless after that. It has a shelf life. And there's so many people that come into the, bo- they come into the house of the Lord and they hear a good message. And they're like, mm, that was a good meal. Thanks for cooking that up for me. But it doesn't do anything but nourish them for a moment. And then later they need another meal. Hmm. You know, I, I just felt even this morning when I woke up and I wasn't even planning on saying this, but I woke up this morning. And I just felt this word on me that the Lord wants to change your your understanding of a, of a sermon. He wants to change your understanding of a message. That a sermon is not you just getting a good message. A sermon is not you just getting a good meal. It's not just you going somewhere, sitting down, getting yourself some chicken, some mashed potatoes, and some green beans. It's not just a good meal. You got to understand that a message is you coming before a spiritual father and them establishing order into your life. It's you going into a house and there being set people that the Lord has put over your life to speak into your life and to bring order and establishment. To bring blessing into your life. It's not just for you to come and be like, mm, that was a good word. I really appreciate that. All right. And then you talk to him three days. So what did you preach about? I don't even remember. I don't even know. You know, the reason I speak this is because my experience here at Itaewon for the past nine months is that I was a hired hand. I was just a guest. Even as a pastor of the church, I was just a guest. I was just a hired hand. And I come in every Sunday and I'd serve and I'd be in that little box of a room. (laughs) And I'd hear a good message. But, But there weren't things being set in order in my life. Nothing was changing. It was just, oh, Pastor Christian, mm, that was a good message. That was a good word. Oh, hallelujah. And then I don't ever see it manifest in my life. It wasn't wisdom for, from a father into my life. You ever had a father speak into your life? When a father speaks into your life, it's not just like, oh, dad, that was, that was real good. Anyways, I'm going to go back to what I was doing. It changes things. It sets things in their right alignment. And for me, the past nine months, nothing was happening. And I wasn't feeling any kind of order being established in my life until about a month ago when I had to move out of my apartment down the street. And I was packing things up. And, I was, and all of a sudden, I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying that I was moving in. I was transitioning as I was packing up my stuff. And I was like, well, that's true. I am transitioning. I'm packing up my stuff. And then the place I moved is I moved into Pastor Christian's crib. And it was a prophetic sign that what was happening in my heart was that I was coming into the Father's house. And I, was, I wasn't just coming into the Father's house. I was being established in the Father's house. And immediately when I moved in, immediately when I, my stuff was put in place, 
I wasn't even living out of so many believers come in and they're just living off of their packed up bags. You know what I'm saying? They're, they don't they don't have a place here. They don't know where their stuff is. They don't know where their calling is. You know, they're, they're just living out of their little suitcases. They haven't made themselves at home. But the moment I began to make myself at home in his place. Things begin to get set aligned in my heart. And what was happening in the natural was just a sign as to what was happening in the spiritual. And I believe that, that that's not just something for me. I believe it's for you as well. He wants you to break out of being just a guest and come into being a son. Break out of just being a servant, a hired hand, and to come into place of being a son. You cannot have intimacy without first being a son. There's an order to the things. It's a son to a bride. And if you don't get that, you know what happens. If you just stay as a guest, or you just stay as a servant, you know what comes in? Bitterness. Complaining. Regret. Because eventually you feel like that this place isn't what you thought it would be. You know, I'm from, I'm from North Carolina. I'm from the South. And, and back home, uh, I don't know, at least in North Carolina where I grew up, everyone in my family lives like three minutes from one another. Like, I kid you not, I could jump on my bike and ride to my, my uncles, my grandmother, like everyone. And, uh, and my grandmother, my grandmother was kind of like the center of the family. And we don't call her grandma, we call her Nina. And so Nina's house was like the center. And uh, at a certain point, one of my, uh, my uncle and my cousin, I'm telling you guys all my family's business right now, uh, but my, they, they began to have some financial trouble, so they had to move in with Nina, right? And they moved in, and they were, and they were living there with Nina, and, it, and they were walking around, and I remember coming over one time, and they were just walking around talking so much smack about the couches and about, about the drapes, and they were like, Man, I, I hate these couches. Nina, why we got these couches? These couches is ugly. Why we got these drapes? Man, the TV's so small. <laughs> Nina cooks something up and, and you know, you ain't supposed to like put down a black woman's food. And she's like, they're like, Nina, why, why are we always eating lettuce? And why are we always eating greens? Like, I want something good. And, I, and Nina, like, she's got the softest heart. But you know, one day they, they, just, they just kept at it. And one day she turns to them and she said, you know what? And she's so soft, too. She's so, so gentle. But she turned around and she's like, you know what? Until you start paying bills in this house, you don't have a right to say anything. And they were like, okay. Until you, until you start bringing in groceries, you don't have a right to say anything about the food. Mm. Sorry, Nina. There's so many believers that come into the church and they don't contribute to the life of the church, but they want to put down the church. They come in at, why is everything got to be like this? Why is the pastor this way? Why is, I don't like the way this is. I don't like the way the couches, I don't like the seats. What's up with these plastic seats? But you don't feel like you own the place, do you? You're not a son in the house, are you? Are you contributing to the life of the church? Or are you just a guest? 
I say this because the Lord wants to bring you into his house. I say this because the Lord doesn't want you to be a guest anymore. You know, the servant gets bitter because they feel like all they're valued for is their service. The guest gets bitter because they feel like they're out of place. And they, they keep wondering, when am I going to become a son? When am I going to become more than just a guest? And they begin to hate the place that they're at. But he wants you to come and sit at the banquet table. He wants you to be established in his goodness. He doesn't want you to be a servant anymore. He doesn't want you to be a guest anymore. Those days are over. There's been many of you that have felt like you've been okay with certain things happening in your life and not seeing the growth that is really that God really has for you in your life. And it's not because you don't care, but it's because you just haven't been established in a place. And there's three ways that we we find there's three ways in which we we end up blocking getting established there's three things in our hearts that need to get set in proper alignment today and the first is that is the fear of the punishment many of us are filled with the fear of punishment you know it was the fear of punishment that kept the prodigal son desiring to come back to the father and simply be a servant rather than step in as a son again He knew he had messed up. He knew he was out there roaming. He knew that he was out there in the pig slops and out there wasting his inheritance, his inheritance away. He knew that the things he was out there doing when he was in the tents of wickedness were wrong. He knew it. It said it says in the word that that he was out there and when he was in there, he came to himself. He realized that this was not this was below him. There's many of you that you've been stuck and you've been doing some things that you realize and you know are is below you. But you don't want to come back in and you don't want to be established as a son because you're afraid of punishment. You know, before the first church that I walked into after I had been an atheist for six years and I was living a life of just promiscuity and, and just so many different things. When I got invited to that church and I, and I was on my way to that church, I was terrified and the reason i was terrified is because i thought that like each and every person in that church had like this crazy prophetic like vision and insight like as soon as i walked in they would know that i'm like a sinner and like they see it written across my forehead he's he's a sinner he's been promiscuous he drinks a lot he's done all these different things we're gonna kick him out and that that kept my heart closed I was so afraid of punishment. I was so willing to stay in the outhouse because I thought I didn't deserve the penthouse. I was afraid if I stepped into the house and people saw who I really was, they would just want to punish me. They'd want to beat me down. I have to pay. I got to pay for the things that I've done. I got to pay for the things that I've done. I got to pay for all the people I've hurt. I got to pay for that.
not realizing that those things have already been paid for. Christ paid for those things. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the very righteousness of God. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe that the blood of Christ really covers you? 1 John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It says that perfect love casts out fear. The fear of punishment is an Ishmael that you've been allowing in your life. And you need to allow the perfect love to cast that out. The second way is the fear of rejection. And it goes along with the fear of punishment. We reject others because we fear being rejected ourselves. And so we're in a race, a race to rejection. How quickly can I reject this person before they reject me? And we laugh because it's true. How quickly can I, can I just distance myself from this person? How quickly can I reject them? But God sees all our sin. He's wherever we go, whether high or low, he's there with us. It says in it says in Psalm 139, where David was talking about how how he could not flee from the presence of the Lord. He said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where should I flee from your presence? Should I go to heaven? You are there. Should I go down to the depths of Sheol? You are there. Anywhere I go, God, you are there. You know me. You knew me. You formed me together when I was in my mother's womb. You knew my going out and coming in. You saw everything. And yet you do not reject me. But it keeps us from being established in a place. We stay as servants because we fear rejection. I got to keep doing this. I got to do it just right. I got to do it like this. Because if I mess up, they're going to mess me up. They're going to kick me out. And then the last one is the fear of poverty. This is something the Lord has been just speaking to me more and more. Is that so many of us are filled with pauper mindsets when we're supposed to be princes. And that we walk around. And we're always afraid of being impoverished. You know, the fear of poverty strikes at the heart of us and we stay away from committing ourselves because we feel like that if I give myself and I keep giving myself and if I I really get established in a place. Then there's going to be nothing left. What about me? What about me time? What about me time? You know, Sunday swims at 2.30, but come on, what about me time? What about me time? What about me? If I give myself to a prayer movement, I'm going to have no time for myself. If I give myself to you, Lord, if I give myself to a house, Lord, I'm going to have nothing left. We don't give. We don't invest in what is happening around us. 
You know, being established in a place requires investment. It requires investment. And you can't just be in a place and be a son of a place without investment. A son has a stake in everything that the father is doing. But when we have a pauper mentality, we end up becoming selfish, tight-fisted. And we view our, our time, our money, our resources, even our love as these precious commodities that cannot be invested to the house because we're afraid that in the end we'll be broke. You know, for you, for you to be set in order and in the right place in the Father's house, it requires just one thing. It requires trust. The fear of rejection, the fear of punishment, the fear of poverty, it seeks to break that trust. It seeks to break the trust that you can have in the house and in the place that you're planted. It seeks to break the trust in the, in the fathers that the Lord has given you. It seeks to break your trust in God. But without trust, there cannot be establishment. And there cannot be intimacy. Forget even talking about the year of intimacy for a moment. And let's talk about just being first established. And trusting. I know this is a hard word. But the reason I felt like God put all of these different things on me to preach to you today is because in this house there is safety. In this house there is safety. You can be safe here. You don't have to fear rejection in this house. You don't have to fear punishment in this house. If you slip or you fall, we're not standing around to point at you and to say, look how you fell. It's a place of safety. And right now, even in the many of your hearts, there's been a restlessness. There's been a restlessness in your heart. And you've come to church and you've come to Itaewon. And you've been here. And you've been convicted by so many messages and so many different things have spoke to you. But there's still been that restlessness. And there's still been that lack of peace. And there's been that feeling that if I really get established in this place... If I really become a son of this house. They're just looking to punish me. They're just going to reject me. And I'm going to end up with nothing. But I just hear the spirit saying that. You're safe here. You're safe. The things that you may have done in the past. 
it's okay. There is no condemnation in this place. The feeling of of self-rejection that you've been carrying for most of your life. Where you feel like if people see the real me and they see who I really am at my deepest, darkest core, they're going to reject me. I want you to know that here you're fully accepted and you're fully loved. And if and for those of you who've been feeling like, you know what, I don't have anything to give. And the things that I do give, if I do that, I'm going to end up broke. I'm going to end up with nothing. I just feel that that the Lord just speaking that you are loved and his favor rests upon you. You know, in his word, it says that God gives to us generously so that we may give generously. It says in his word that, that he gives to us generously. So that we, we will not be lacking in anything. But not just that, but that we'll be able to be generous in our love, in our giving, in everything. I want everyone to just close your eyes right now.